Okay, good morning, everybody. Oh, good morning, everybody. Good morning, uh, Last night, Ari Milstein gave a wonderful shear as he gives every Thursday night, and everyone should go to the shear every Thursday night. And he started off by quoting something from Soslanter, and I just want to reiterate it as context to understand what I'm saying, or better yet, what I'm not saying. Just say one point. My Rebbe... Shirkin Shlita has a sefer, it's called Meged Givais Elam. Stories. I once called him up and I told him that I'm willing to translate the whole sefer for him. So in the beginning he said, no, this, and then he said, not everything that's written should be translated. Like Ramelstein said last night, not everything you think should be said not everything that you say should be written. And Rebbe adds, not everything written in Hebrew should be translated into English. I wish, I wish, I wish I can give this schmooze in Yiddish or in Hebrew. And those people who really want to understand what I was saying, they could work very, very hard to try to figure it out. But we're not there. We're speaking English. So really, I had a whole schmooze prepared. Today's situation, I'm sorry, I have to talk about something else. In Eretz Yisrael, numerous times, but a number of years ago, there was a, there was a, a city, there was a town on the border between Gaza and Israel. The town, unfortunately, like all, all of us Yidin, suffered a great tragedy. It's called Sderot. And Sderot was a major target of rockets coming in from Gaza. Going to Sderot, to Ashkelon, to Ashdod, but Sderot was really very hit. And as Sderot was getting hit, my father, the Colonel of Rachel, the Yeshiva is named after, and my mother, they went to Eretz Yisrael. And when those rockets were coming into Sderot, they said, the people of Eretz Yisrael need our chizuk. They need our inspiration, us to strengthen them. So they went to Sderot. They stayed right there on the border. And they, they said that my mother was too afraid to sleep in any of the houses getting hit. They slept in a car right there in Sterot. In the middle of the night, they were awoken in the car by a banging on the window with an Israeli soldier wondering who is in a car in an area that's being hit by rockets. But that's, that's the type of people, my mother, she lived me well, my father was. And Eretz Yisrael needs to be strengthened. We don't run the opposite direction. We don't run to the fire, chas v'shalom, but we don't run away. Eretz Yisrael needs to be strengthened right now. I've been getting messages and pictures. Most of the time, if it's on WhatsApp, it says forwarded many times. Somebody sent me a message. I respond to that message. It sort of showed a picture about a warning and this and that. I respond to the message that I would prefer that this person no longer do volunteer work for the propaganda wing of Hamas. That's what I asked. Is it real? Is it not real? Of course the danger is real. And of course we need to be safe. But there is no mitzvah to go over to what the terrorists are trying to inspire terror, use that information, and give it to all the Jews to say as if the terrorists are not scaring enough people. Were you scared yet? No. If you were, here's more. 
We're supposed to be strengthening ourselves, strengthening Eretz Yisrael. 2010, I think it was 2010, 2011. It was 2012. In 2012, New York was hit by Hurricane Sandy. Hurricane Sandy. It wasn't really a hurricane. Fine. Hurricane Sandy hit New York. And we were shut down here. I was living in New Jersey. New Jersey was shut down. We didn't have any gas. There were gas lines. We had heard about 1970. There were gas lines. There were gas lines up here because there was no gas because all of the gas had been knocked out in the Gulf, Gulf of Mexico down south. What were we going to do down in New Orleans? Everything was gone. The whole world is saying, Sandy did this, Sandy did that, hurricanes. Mashkiach of Lakewood, Solomon, he got up in a shmooze on a Friday night, I remember. He got up and he said in Yiddish, I'll say it in Yiddish, but he said, the ganze Welt zogt, Sandy, 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 Sandy. The whole world is saying, Sandy, 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 Sandy. It's not Sandy. It's not It's not Sandy doing all this. It's Hashem doing all this. The whole world is saying, Hamas, 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 Hamas. It is their wicked people. They should all die. Horrible death. They should burn. All the terrible things, they should be decimated and gone, like all the Rishayim in the world. They should all be gone. It's true. But it's not Hamas. It's Hashem. The same Hashem who gave you fingers, the same Hashem who gave you nails, the same Hashem who puts the ear in your lungs and he gives you a mother and a father and shoes and clothing and he gave you life today and he'll give you life tomorrow, Be'ez Hashem. It's then Hashem. We're running away from, not Hamas, we're running away from Hashem. Say it to yourself, I'm not running from Hamas. I am running from Hashem. Hashem wants me to feel what right now? Go ask your Rebbe, go ask your Rebbe. But it's Hashem, 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 Hashem. My brother once told me a pshat, no, a number of years ago, I saw it later on, I think the Benishchai also says it, he said it from the Chassam Sefer. Yomar says, Talmidei Chachamim, Marim Shalom Ba'olam. Talmidei Chachamim bring much, much peace to the world. They bring peace to the world. So the Chassam Sefer says, how could it be that Talmidei Chachamim bring peace to the world? What do they do to contribute to peace to the world? Are Talmidei Chachamim uh, diplomats? Visiting dignitaries? Are they diplomats? They come into your room and they go over to you and say, calm down. They go to the UN, and they say, calm down. Do they do that? They go over to people and tell them, calm No, no, no. That's not what Sam Sefer says. Sam Sefer says that on Rosh Hashanah every single year, Hashem makes a decision. In the year, Tavshin Peidalad, this year, how much war should be in the world? How much war? 10 days, two weeks, a month, whatever it is. How much war should be in the world? Hashem makes that decision. It could be a war in Cambodia. It could be a war in Bolivia. It could be a war in Israel. It could be a war anywhere. Says the Chassam Sefer, you know what Talmidecham do when they learn? You think learning's quiet business? Learning's noisy. One time, Nebuch, the Cardinals from not the baseball team or the football team, the Cardinals from Rome once came to a Jewish institution in America. 
And they came into that Jewish institution, and it came into the area of the base metro. People were learning. And I heard this from the head of that institution. They were coming and learning. And the cardinals hear the noise, screaming, yelling. That's how people learn. Yelling, fighting, arguing. So the head of the cardinals with his big red yarmulke on his head, he comes in, he says to the first guy, the first bacher in, the, in this institution, he says to him, what are you guys doing? We're learning Torah. Why are you screaming so much? How do you explain this to a cardinal? Uh, when, when I say uh, an explanation in the Talmud, he doesn't agree with me, so he argues back. And then we go to the third person, and he doesn't agree with us, so he argues. Everyone has their piece, and we're all going back and forth. Everyone has their own thing to say. And therefore, we're arguing. And when it gets really good, he didn't add this part. When it gets really good, it's the whole base medrash. When it gets even better, I remember in Lakewood, there was one fight in one base medrash. They went to the base of Leo. They went to the next base medrash to go fight about it. Big, long, because it's not enough to fight in ours. we got to fight in theirs, too, about this concept. And say, we've got to get to the truth. And the cardinal, almost to himself, after hearing this, he says, Ooh, that's strange. By us, we're not allowed to ask questions. That's what he said. That's what he said. Some Sefer says, you know how Talmidei Chacham, Torah leaders, Torah scholars, us in yeshiva, you know how we stop wars from happening around the world? How we make peace? He said, because we make our own wars. You know what our wars are? I want to learn Gemara. I got into a fight with you. It's called the Melchamta Shaltaira. If we fight with each other over learning, there won't be wars around the world because we satisfy the amount, the sheer, the required amount of war in the world by learning Torah. Torah protects us. Because by learning in yeshiva, you're in the safest place in the world. You're in the area that is knocking out all the wars in the world. We're in the area that depletes battle. We learn here. We learn for five minutes. We give a schmooze. We learn. The learning that happens here, Hashem says, wait one second. I wanted to have two weeks of war. But in this yeshiva, they're having already a week of war of learning Tyra, of fighting for the truth. Okay, let's take away a week. You don't need to have so much war there. It's over. That's what yeshiva is. When you say, Hashem made this war. Hashem put these people there. Hashem gave them the opportunity to fight against us. If you have questions about free will, go talk to your Rebbe about that. There are wonderful answers, beautiful answers, straightforward answers, how it was Hamad, but it was Hashem. I don't know if you know this, but these terrorists, they had maps. They were going to different one of these towns. And on their map, allegedly, I never saw a map, but on the map, one of the, on the maps, it showed a direct line. They were supposed to go directly to a yeshiva. Going to, going, supposed to go directly to a yeshiva and massacre the yeshiva. That's what they were going to go, directly to that yeshiva. Happened to be, whatever it is, that yeshiva wasn't there at the time. They happened not to be there that night. They got there, they went other places. When I was in Eretz Yisrael, Shalom, listen to this. When I was in Eretz Yisrael, there was a war. Baruch Hashem, not like this war. 
But we know that when one Yid dies, that's a war that costs too much. When one Jew dies, it's a war that costs too much. I was there at Israel and there was a war. And by this war, not only were there rockets coming in from the south, but never there were rockets coming in from the north of Israel. Rockets going right near Ben-Gurion Airport. Rockets going into Haifa. Rockets going to Yafa. It was very, very scary. And a yeshiva that was in Haifa got in touch with Chaim Kanievsky, Zechitzadik Levracha. I remember this. And they asked Chaim, which town should they move the yeshiva to in the center of the country to get away from these rockets? Where in Yushalayim should they move? And Chaim Kanievsky told them, don't move. What do you mean? We, no, no, the question wasn't, should we, should we? Now, of course, we're going to move. There are rockets coming in. Where should we move? And Chaim said, don't move. You are keeping that entire section safe. No rocket will fall near the yeshiva. You've got to stay there to keep them safe. That's what Chaim said. And lo and behold, that's what happened. Now, I'm not saying there aren't times when yeshivas are in danger. And I'm not saying there aren't times when terrible things can happen by yeshiva. Sometimes. But the safest place in the world right now is a shul, is a yeshiva, is a place of learning Torah. You know, the Gemara says in Masech Magil, the Gemara says that one day, very, very soon, all the Batik Nisiyas and Batik Mijashas, all of the shuls and yeshivas are going to go pick themselves up and fly to Eretz Yisrael. My grandfather is a Chernel Racha, Rabbi Yaakov Zakhan, is a Rav in Brooklyn for 70 years. And when Rabbi Reisman, who's on a rabbinical board, Rabbi Shor Reisman Shlita, when he opened up his shul, it really was open for him, but when he became the Rav of that shul, they weren't getting a lot of donations. They needed to support the shul. Nobody was paying for the floors. Nobody was paying for the walls. Whatever. A lot of things weren't getting paid for. And he asked my grandfather, who was a senior rav in the community, to come speak by the shul, hoping that his speech will do it. And my grandfather spoke by the shul. My grandfather said, he's quoting from a certain market. He, my grandfather said that a shul needs supporters. And a shul needs someone to pay for the floors. He said, if nobody pays for the floor of the shul, so when Mashiach comes, and all the shuls, and all the yeshivas fly to Eretz Israel, and this shul has no floor, it's beautiful, you have a nice building, but it'll go up, and everyone will stay on the floor. Everyone will fall out the bottom. That's what he said. Now, I don't know if everybody took out their walls and just started throwing money, but we have a shul and a yeshiva, it's the safest place in the world because it decimates war around the world. That's what a yeshiva does. The more you learn. This week's parsha, the end of the parsha, and the parsha, later in the parsha, the Torah talks about how Cain killed his brother Hevel. Cain killed his brother Hevel. After he sinned, Hashem told him of his great punishment, and Cain said, God is my Avera too heavy? Can't you forgive me? Can't you give me a chance? I want to do Teshuvah. The Pasuk says, I think it's Hashem said, I'll give you a sign to protect you. 
You won't be killed. Seven generation, fine. You won't be killed. I'll give you a sign. I'll give you a protection, an ice. Interestingly, the Chida quotes, what was the ice that he gave me? It was the name of Hashem. Yud K Vav K, the name of Hashem. How did he give it to him? Listen to this Chida. The Chida says, in Chemis Anach, he says that whenever Cain would have a problem, he would show the name of Hashem to that problem. How? He would look at it. How? So what would they do? He said, you have the name of Hashem on your face. Where do you have the name of Hashem on your face? He said, your ear is a Yud. Your ear is a Yud. Your cheekbone and your eyebrow is a hey. Your nostril is a vav. Your next cheek, oh, cheekbone, next cheekbone, and eyebrow is another hey. It's the name of Hashem on your face. That's what he says. That's what he does. It's very interesting. But the Medrash says something different. Medrash says, you know what Hashem gave Kayan? Hashem gave Kayan a ois. You ever hear these words? Ois he beini uveneichem. Anybody know where we say that? Ois he beini uveneichem. Where do we say that? Yeah? What's a sign between Hashem and us? What's a sign between Hashem and us? Shabbos. We say it in Kiddush every week. Oh, you see, Shabbos is a sign. Hashem gave Kayim Shabbos. He said, you want to be protected? Keep Shabbos. Keep Shabbos. As far as I'm saying, why was one of the reasons Adam was made the last in creation? After everything was created, Adam was last. Rationalism says Shabbos. But the last thing in creation, you know why Adam was made at the very, very end? So that right when he was created, he could do a mitzvah. You know what mitzvah was? Shabbos. He didn't have to wait a whole week till Shabbos comes. Nebuchadnezzar, we have to wait a whole week. We have to wait a whole week till Shabbos every week. Adam got right away. First, he was existed, he was created, Shabbos. Shabbos protects. We know, we know of stories from this war right now, how there were two towns that were saved the Shus Shabbos. They were saved, Vizchus Shabbos. They, they were saved. I'm sure people in the other towns were saved in the other Zichuyas. This town was saved Vizchus Shabbos. They kept Shabbos. They kept Shabbos in such a way that they locked all the gates on Shabbos and no gate was able to be opened. So therefore, when these terrible people came, when these terrible people came, they couldn't get it. They couldn't get it. I think, I think that's the story. They couldn't get it. Shabbos. Shabbos. By Yelson Lekayin Ois, Hashem gave Kayin a sign. That's the passage. Hashem gave Kayin a sign. You know the sign where they gave him? Shabbos. Shabbos will protect you. Shabbos protected Kayin. Rashi says Kayin was our great great grandfather in some way. Yeah? Noach's wife was from Kayin. Shabbos is a, will protect us. What can we do to make sure that Shabbos protects us? What can we do? Does it mean maybe this week, you know, in, in the United States, in Israel, they wait 40, they light 40 minutes before Shabbos, most people. In the United States, we light 18 minutes before Shabbos. But you know, that's for the women. That's for certain people. I could do Malacha on Shabbos until, I don't know, five seconds before the stars come out. No, Chas Shalom. In the next 18 minutes, that's for that, that's for that. I can still do Malacha. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe me too. Maybe this week I'll try. 18 minutes. You know what? 18 minutes before Shabbos. I want Shabbos to protect me. When my mother lights the candles, or whether I knew my mother lit the candles or I didn't light the candles, at 18 minutes before Shabbos, there's a siren in Brooklyn, huh? Siren still goes? Shabbos. Okay. 
18 minutes before Shabbos, we moved to Barbara, it's a big sign. 18 minutes before Shabbos, I'm not going to do Malacha. I want Shabbos to protect me. You know what? You know what I'm going to do for Shabbos? I want Shabbos to protect me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go find, in my house, on that bookshelf that I never look at, there is actually a book there that talks about the Halachas of Shabbos. I never looked at it before, but you know what? Maybe now is a good opportunity. I will spend some time this Shabbos opening up that Sefer and learning brand new things about what I'm supposed to be doing on Shabbos. Supposed to, not supposed to be doing on Shabbos. What Shabbos is supposed to look like. This week, that's what I'm going to try to do. That's what I'm going to try to do. You know, this month of Shabbos, I never knew this before, but really, you're not supposed to do Malacha before you say Havdalah. Definitely not supposed to eat. You're not allowed to eat before you say Havdalah on Matzah Shabbos, or you hear Havdalah on Matzah Shabbos. You know what? I'm going to try to be extra careful about that. Because Shabbos is going to protect me. Shabbos is going to protect me. I learned that in Yeshiva. Shabbos is going to protect me. Wow. You know what you can do this Shabbos? You know how to honor Shabbos? Buy candy. You like candy? No candy? Not too much. I like danishes. You like danishes? Yeah. You like dessert? Not too much. Do you like meat? Sometimes. Do you have any food that you like? Matzah bowl soup? Nope. One matzah bowl? Two matzah bowls? Noodles? Or just matzah bowls? Maybe. Noodles, maybe. You know what? Listen to this. If you decide that you want a second matzah bowl in your soup, you are bringing a greater honor to Shabbos. Because you're enjoying Shabbos even more. You're going to go home. You're going to say, Ma, I heard it today that I can honor Shabbos because Shabbos will protect me. People are running away. You know, they don't even have shelters in the apartment buildings. They still have their radioactive shelters from, you know, 1966. Okay, go look over there. Go check it out. But I want Shabbos to protect me because Shabbos, Shabbos has been working to protect people for 5,784 years. I want to work on that one. It's pretty good. That's a pretty good track record. Shabbos protects people. I want to do that. I want to take Shabbos. So, we're, so you're going to get an extra matzah ball to be able to have Shabbos protect you. More noodles. My wife, she puts noodles in the soup too. And possible. Just with chicken in it. She puts butternut squash. It's packed soup. Very, very packed. Anyway, make Shabbos extra delicious. The more delicious you make Shabbos, Daniel, the more Shabbos protects you. What do you mean? I'm just going to make Shabbos delicious. It'll protect yeah, yeah, yeah. You're honoring Shabbos. I have a Talmud. I call him up just to confirm all the time. He, every Friday night, his family, they love, love, love chips and locks flavored cream cheese. I think that was it. Lox flavored cream cheese. Everybody, the first thing they do is they make kiddish, hamaitzi, lox flavored cream cheese with these scoops or chips, some sort of type of chips. And he eats it every Friday night. They've been doing it for like 20 years. They've been doing it for like 20 and then eating it. But he loves that for Shabbos. I called him up last week. I asked him just to confirm. Still doing it? Still doing it. Okay. He wants to make Shabbos beautiful and enjoyable. You know, I have a wonderful special talent. He likes to drink Arizona. Arizona. Doesn't like when it's diet, but he likes Arizona. Yeah? He should get Arizona for Shabbos. Not for Kiddush. But Arizona for Shabbos because you're bringing Shabbos. And by Yasin the kindness, it'll say by Yasin to you ice. And by Yasin for you ice, it'll be a sign to protect you. Don't we all want to be safe? We want to be protected. I spoke about being in a yeshiva. Yeshiva protects you. So you're keeping Shabbos. Shabbos protects you. I want to say, well, you know what else protects you? There was a big tzaddik. He lived in Bar Park. His name was Rav Yosef Rosenblum. He was the secret Gadol Hadar. Rav Yosef Rosenblum. 
he was the gadol that all gadolim would go to to ask questions to. Rabbi Yosef Rosenblum. Actually, I once I once went there. I once went to him. Me, and my mother, and father. We went to him. Remarkable how he cuts through all of the confusion and gives a direct, straight answer. Yosef Rosenblum, I think, was born in Belgium. He was born in Europe, and during the Holocaust, during the Holocaust, he had fake papers. I don't know if they were very good fake papers to hide out. And a Nazi soldier caught him. And a Nazi soldier decided to check his papers, and he says to him, papers, let me see your papers. And he knew he's going to get killed right now. And as he pulls out his papers, the Nazi says, oh, I, I got to go. I'll go. Okay, I got to go. And he walks away and walks. That's it. And his papers are good. And he goes. Survives. His son, many years later, asked him. I saw this in the, in the wonderful book. It's called Joy of the Moon, written by Rabbi Schmelzer from Mirishiba. His son, Rabbi Rosenberg's son, asked him, Tati, when this story happened to you, what were you thinking? What were you davening for? He said, all I was thinking at that moment was, Hashem, you chose us. We're the chosen people. We're the choicest nation in the world. We're your people. That's all I was thinking. I was thinking that I'm a Yid and Baruch Hashem, I'm not a Nazi. But the Nazi has the power. Thank you, Hashem, I'm a Yid and I'm not a Nazi. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. Somebody yesterday was talking about it. You know, I'm so scared right now. Okay, people are scared. I'm so concerned right now. I like the word concerned better than scared. Concern says I'm going to do something, but it scares which means I'm, I'm going to panic. I'm so scared right now, he said. I walk home, I'm scared. What should I do? This other guy said, do what I do. Take off your yarmulke. So people won't recognize that you're Jewish. First of all, Every guy knows what a Jew looks like. Whether you're wearing a or not, they all know. Usually it's because the Jew is the only one that wears the baseball caps. Okay, fine. Nobody wears baseball caps anymore except for Jews. What? He said, I'll take off my yarmulke. Take off my yarmulke. Right now in Eretz Yisrael, people are making tens of thousands of pairs of tzitzis to send to soldiers. Somebody sent me a video of a store in Yerushalayim that has taken their entire stock of tzitzis, 7,000 pairs of tzitzis. We started about this morning. 7,000 pairs of tzitzis is like $20 a pair of tzitzis. Yes, so 7,000 times two times, uh, times 20. Okay, how much is that? Is $140,000? $140,000? $140,000 worth of tzitzis? They sent it to the soldiers. Soldiers are begging for tzitzis. I have a friend, he is in Ramat Beit Shemesh right now. He has said that they are spending all the time they can in shul making tzitzis for soldiers. That's what they're doing now. Because soldiers are begging for tzitzis. They're begging to look like Jews. To look like Jews. With the yarmulke on their head, you know, soldiers, soldiers are begging for tefillin. I think 150 peers are sent. One person sent 150 peers of tefillin. Sending tefillin to soldiers who are not religious. To me, taking off your yarmulke because you feel scared is like taking off a bulletproof vest because you don't want all the bad guys to know that, you are, that you're safe. It's like a soldier going into Gaza and saying, I don't want them to know that I'm coming in, so instead of going in my tank, I'd like to go outside and walk. I'll walk without my tank so that, shh, they don't know I'm a soldier. 
He's wearing his army uniform. Like, everybody knows you're a soldier anywhere. No, no, no. Take, take, let's take off my yarmulke. You want to be protected? Think about what Rav Yosef Rosenblum said in his mind about this soldier. The Nazi soldier was coming. I put my yarmulke on my head because I am a soldier in Hashem's army. I am the chosen people. I wear tzitzis. I wear tzitzis because I am of the chosen people. It's my protection. Shabbos, my protection. Being a yid, being proud of being a yid, my protection. A yeshiva, my protection. I think there has been a lot said already. Anything left unsaid, we could all think about it on our own and understand and feel and whatever it is. And certainly whatever we take from what we've said already, you can add on. Take your own steps with it. What can I do to make sure that my yeshiva always goes with me or I'm always in my yeshiva? What can I do to make sure Shabbos always goes with me or I'm always with my Shabbos? What can I do to make sure that my Yiddishkeit, my identity as a Jew with my yarmulke and my tzitzis and whatever other things identify me as a Jew with my payas by my side, by my head, I look like a Jew and that's going to protect me out of the chartano mikolo amen. With this, with the Mulchama that we make among ourselves, not bad Mulchama, good Mulchama, fights. We're fighting and learning. We're trying to figure out what's Pshat. And when we fight to figure out the truth, yeah, Shmuel, he has a million questions. He has 99 million questions. He has a million questions. And you ask your question and you fight with your question. And then every fight you have is one less bullet a soldier needs to fire. As Hashem, Hashem should give us a beautiful Shabbos. Hashem should give us Nachas. Hashem should give us Menucha. Hashem should put it into our hearts a feeling of calm. Hashem should give us the ability to perceive that these are the footsteps of Mashiach somehow. That these are the footsteps of Mashiach. I can't help. I, I, I feel like I have to finish with this note. There's a very famous Yamshel Shlomo. Uh, Yamshel Shlomo? I don't know exactly. There's a very famous comment that people who die al Kiddush Hashem, people died, all the people who were killed by these by Hamas, all the people who died because of them, they all, Marshal, they die al Kiddush Hashem. Marshal says a person dies al Kiddush Hashem, I don't recommend running, finding a way to do it, but a person who dies al Kiddush Hashem doesn't feel any pain when he dies. There is no pain in his death. They have a pure death free of pain, and that all the people who died in the Inquisition, all the people who were burned, they didn't feel the pain. They didn't feel the pain. They were able to go straight up. The person dies like a Hashem, and then hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of our fellow brothers and sisters and children, those people we should remember. We have a Muna Shalema. The place where they are now is a place where we cannot even ever imagine in our wildest dreams, the schus that they have right now, to be in a mokim kariv ta Hashem. We feel, we feel for their families, of course, families. And we feel for their loved ones, the children of them, the parents of them, the brothers, the sisters, the grandparents, even the cousins. We feel for them, of course. But you should know they themselves, the people that were nifter, are enjoying an incredible reward. I remember the mashkiach and the CEO said to me, after my father was nifter, we said, 
is he, is he, is he sad? Right? Mashiach said, these people who are nifter, he said he's, in, he's having such an incredible pleasure right now, he has no time to be sad. That's what he said. And they upstairs, they know how this is the footsteps of Mashiach Hashem. So Be'ez Hashem, we should have a Shabbos full of Simcha, a Shabbos full of Menucha, a Shabbos full of Kibra Ve'eim, a Shabbos full of two matzah balls, three matzah balls? Three matzah balls, noodles, deliciousness. What are you going to have? Delicious? Something good? Probably. Probably something good. Be'ez Hashem, maybe some good looking fish. Be'ez Hashem. We should be full of Simcha and Nachas. Be'ez Hashem. Good Shabbos.